Hey, I'm Lexi. Book me for singing, songwriting, engineering, vocal production, and lessons through social media at LexiATL. Email at LexiSolo at gmail.com. Text at 404-692-1299 or go to my website, LexiATL.com. Right now, you're tuned in to my podcast, Lex Chat, which is a show dedicated to music and entertainment, where we talk about the industry and the business, and we help each other to become better artists. You can catch these chats live on Instagram at LexiATL, that's at L-E-X-C-A-T-L, to be part of the conversation, or catch the replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Wherever you're watching or listening, please like, subscribe, follow, and engage with the content by leaving comments and reviews. If you'd like to go the extra mile in supporting me, then please do so by going to patreon.com slash LexiATL, where you can pay a small monthly subscription because every little bit truly does help me. This week on Lex Chat, let's talk about the so-called hip hop to prison pipeline. It's a conspiracy theory that alleges the music industry and the prison system are in bed together and have been using hip hop to push a quota for prison occupancy. And this is very interesting. I was on YouTube watching a video by Queen Chama, a YouTuber called Queen Chama, and her video is called Cardi B and Meg Bongo's Sexy Red and Lotto Remix. I really enjoy listening to her commentary. And in this particular video, she was talking about the standard of talent in rap and hip hop today for the female demographic and how the bar is so low for mainstream artists these days. If you've been listening to or watching me for a while, then you know that I feel like music in general started falling off maybe five to 10 years ago for me. You also would know that I'm one of the worst people to ask about who's out right now because I don't listen to a lot of the new stuff that's been coming out. I don't like it. It's boring to me. And the music is truly just lacking. But the conversation that I want to get into today, and I know that the timing is weird, but I want to get into the conversation of hip hop being It's a whole agenda, right? So I mentioned conspiracy theory, but I truly believe that this is an agenda that is currently at play, the hip hop to prison pipeline. I'm not exactly sure what sparked me to do this video. Um, Maybe it's the anniversary of hip hop that passed. I think it was August 11th. August 11th, 1973 would be considered the birth of hip hop, but hip hop's anniversary has passed. And since then, um, Ebro, I don't know if y'all saw my hot take about labels, you know, rappers are falling off and it's the label's fault. But Ebro said that the labels are no longer prioritizing rappers when it comes to signing. Instead, they are prioritizing Latin and Afro artists, African artists. And the reason why is because rappers are boring. The production is boring. And everyone's talking about the same topics and not giving anything of substance. Now, if you saw that hot take, that was, um, you know, hip hop is basically dying and it's the label's fault. The labels aren't signing rappers anymore. And it's the label's fault because of the type of artists that they go after and the type of music that they choose to give a spotlight to. And with the emergence of artists like Sexy Red, I hate to I hate for her to be the one to take this, but uh, in the video that Queen Chama is um, speaking on, Cardi B, Meg, Bongo, Sexy Red, Lotto Remix, she basically said that, you know, Sexy Red is a good example of people no longer having to have talent to be in the music industry or to be considered a rapper, Right. I don't love her delivery and I don't I don't connect with anything she says. And it's been questioned, you know, are people are artists like Sexy Red and Sukihana, are they tarnishing the image of black women? Because this is what the world sees when they see black women. They don't see the the smart black women. They don't see the women who have regular jobs, who look regular, who aren't wearing colorful wigs, we're not wearing long talons for nails. We're not flashing money. We're not half dressed. We're not twerking all over the internet. You know, a lot of black girls are that way. A lot of us are, some of us are ratchet. Some of us are traditional. Some of us are conservative, you know, but the only representation that we've been getting 
in the media and the only spotlight that we've been getting has been with the imagery of the ghetto ratchet baby mama. And that's the only image, the only imagery that we get as black women in mainstream media is ghetto ratchet baby mamas. And I'm, I'm tired of it. So all of that to say, on the women's side, that's what we get for representation. On the men's side, they get the representation of having to be hard, having to be gangsters, always worried about ops and money and drugs. And all of these things, I have this conversation very often, all of these things are promoting a certain degeneracy within the black community And it really just makes me wonder because a lot of people can't see past what's happening or a lot of people will brush it off and say, well, as long as they're not hurting anybody or, well, they're making money and you're not. So you must be a hater because you're broke and they're not. A lot of people pass it off as that instead of seeing it for the damage that it is that it has already caused within the black community, especially why is our community, the community that takes the biggest hit when it comes to the mindset that is pushed to us through hip hop music, something that we created is being used to destroy us. And I want to talk about it in Lex chat today. I know this introduction is a lot longer than I normally do, but I don't, I don't hope to make this a very long episode. I just want to talk about it a little bit is hip-hop feeding the prison system. This is what I want to talk about on Lex Chat today. If this sounds like a topic that you would be interested in, then please stay tuned for more Lex Chat. Hey, this is Lexi, and you're listening to my song, Strange Case, from my album, Love Reset. Take a listen and let me know what you think. My case is not to counter the defense. As a mind, I mind the heart, seeking justice till it's sent. But until defense has rested as the plaintiff, I must stand and will arrange to fight this battle to the end. I know it must be strange. If defense was for the heart, the plaintiff is the brain. I can tell the two apart, but they both want the same thing. So what's the problem? There's no fight. We just want to do what's right. But tell me, is that strange? Strange. If defense was for the heart, the plaintiff is the brain. I can tell the two apart, but they both want the same same thing. So what's the problem? There's no fight. We just want to do what's right. My counterpart speaks so well in my defense. Mm, That's my rap song, by the way. It's called Strange Case. And uh, I think it's very good. It's very much a thought piece which is lacking from what's currently called rap and hip hop at the moment. But uh, before we kick off the show, I want to give a shout out to my patrons. Shout out to Mr. Flat Shoals and Eldon Cleary. Thank you guys so, 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 so much for supporting me. If you at home or on the road, if you're watching or listening and you'd like to become a patron to support me, then you can do so by going to patreon.com slash LexiATL and pledging a monthly subscription. If you would like to become a sponsor of the podcast and advertise your services or products, you can contact me through Instagram at LexiATL. That's at L-E-X-C-A-T-L. Send me an email at LexiSolo at gmail.com or send me a text to 404-692-1299. Thank you to all of my supporters and sponsors also want to give y'all a reminder that my album love reset is out and available everywhere okay you can also buy physical cds to support me directly by going to my website lexiatl.com you can even select personalizations you can choose just the cd a signed cd or a signed CD with a personal message, okay? All of that is available at LexiATL.com, as well as some merchandise. I got hats, wristbands, I got lighters with the built-in bottle openers. I got Lexi posters. I got Lexi t-shirts. I have the Love Over War hat, and so much more merch is on the way, but you gotta check out my website, LexiATL.com. 
to see how you can support and see what type of merch you can cop. All right. Speaking of the cops, let's talk about hip hop. I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a dope, 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 dope transition. But um, I wanted to tell you all about Coffee Date. The next one is going to be Sunday, October 1st. If y'all don't know what Coffee Date is, it is a virtual coffee date because y'all done showed me that y'all don't want to show up in person. But it is a virtual coffee date where I gather a group of creatives together and we help each other. Basically, we ask questions, we voice our concerns, something that we might be struggling with professionally. And then I open up the floor to the group to give their insight, to give their advice, to share resources that have helped them as an artist as well. Okay. So that coffee date is going to be Sunday, October 1st. I was drinking tea the last time, but you know, a couple of the other participants, they brewed up some coffee and they, they, you know, had their little sip sip going. It was really dope. I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Uh, so that's the first Sunday of every month. The next one is October 1st. The next thing I want to let you know about is the We Outside workout. This is for my people in Atlanta. If you are not local, then I'm sorry. You're going to have to miss out on this one because I'm not yet at the point where I'm doing this virtually as well. But it's the We Outside workout. It's a group workout where, again, I'm gathering a group of individuals together and we're going to go to a public park and we work out and I put y'all through a physical test Okay. The last one was at Piedmont. Unfortunately, I was the only one who showed up, but I still had a blast riding my scooter all over Piedmont Park. But the group will meet for an outdoor workout and it is the last Sunday of the month. The next one, ooh, let me bring up my calendar. The last Sunday of the month is going to be September 24th. Okay. September 24th, I'm going to try Piedmont Park one more time. And if I don't get no hits this time, I also got to do better with my marketing. But I'm going to try one more time. And if I don't get no hits, then I'm going to switch up the location. Or I might have to do virtual. We'll see. But I'm trying to make use of my personal trainer certification that I got two years ago. And I have yet to do anything with it. So those are the announcements. Those are things going on with me. Let's get into this conversation of hip hop to prison pipeline, the hip hop to prison pipeline. So (laughs) it's really interesting to me that we celebrated 50 years of hip hop not long ago. Like I mentioned in the introduction, a very long introduction, I apologize for that. But like I mentioned in the introduction, Hip hop's anniversary is August 11th of 1973. So it's been 50 years of hip hop. And what's so sad about it for me, what should be a celebration is sad for me because when I look at the current state of hip hop, I'm not inspired and I don't see the benefit of what hip hop has done for the mindsets of the people. I was under the impression that, you know, even though hip hop, it it was just really something fun that people were doing over the beat. It became political and it became a voice. It became a means of expression. Um, I want to say, and I was born in 93, but from my understanding of hip hop, right, especially during the 80s, when all the L.A. riots were happening and, you know, Rodney King was beat up by the cops And there was a lot of music coming out that was speaking out against the profiling and the treatment of black people. And it felt like our politics, you know, hip hop felt like an outlet voicing our frustrations with how the system was treating us, how the system was targeting us. And it's really sad to me because we for so long have been saying that the system is targeting us. And yet I feel like we've fallen prey to the system and a lot of you ninjas don't even recognize it. So it makes me very sad. And that's why we're talking about the hip hop to prison pipeline, because I feel like hip hop has been weaponized against us. Like I said, something that was supposed to be for our expression, it's turned into our downfall. And what I mean by this is, 
I look at the types of artists that are out today and I listen to what's considered mainstream and what's pushed in front of us as mainstream, what's promoted and what's given the attention on the women's side. It's straight lace wigs. It's fake eyelashes, fake nails, fake bodies, fake chest. It's a certain figure. It's talking about certain content matter. Whose poom poom is the wettest, you know, whose bongos clap the loudest. <laughs> Shout out to Cardi B and Meg, <laughs> which I actually just did a review on that R&B Girl Reacts. That's coming out soon. But um, the substance of the music as well on the women's side, it's we're going to use these men. L- let's just call it what it is. And I'm going to sound like someone from the red pill community, but it really is promoting prostitution in a lot of ways. You know, of course there's nothing wrong with wanting to be taken care of. And I myself believe in hypergamy, you know, but the type of mindset that's been pushed and promoted, it's If your man is not doing something for you, then he should not have access to you. But the only something that's being done is always centered around money and finances, right? And we often skip over the morality and the characteristics of people. And so now we're in a place where a woman will say, uh, you better mess with these dudes while they got money, mess with them until they don't have money. And it's very much giving whoever is the highest bidder will gain access to me. Regardless of what that money is attached to, whoever throws the most money gets the most access. And as soon as you no longer have that money, you no longer have the access. What's up, Pillow? As soon as you no longer have the money, you no longer have the access. And so it reduces men to ATMs. It reduces men to resources and it reduces men from being human to just providing something. It's like making men a tool, right? Now, gender roles, you know, each side has the thing that we're supposedly created for, right? Men are supposed to be big, strong providers. Women are supposed to be soft nurturers and kind of like the, uh, they continue the legacy. They continue the history. Culture is passed down through the women, right? But on the men's side, so that's on the women's side, right? We're no longer looking at men as human beings. We're looking at them as cash cows, as ATMs and what they can provide for us. And if you can't give me money, then I can't talk to you. Regardless of if that man has an upstanding character or not, the distinction between high value man and high earning man, the lines are blurred and people act like they don't understand the difference between the two. But on the side of the men, okay, on the men's side, it's all about appearing to be hard, appearing to be a gangster, appearing like, like you're so violent, appearing like you don't have feelings. It's, you never got your own woman, right? You're always trying to take something from the next man. You're always looking over your shoulder. Like you got ops. You're always worried about somebody coming to take something from you, even though you admit to taking something from someone else, right? And it's drugs and it's money and it's multiple women and it's no loyalty to women, but all the loyalty goes to your friends, which that's a whole nother conversation. That's a little, that's a little, it's a little, it's a little gay in my opinion, you know, but essentially what has happened is a division between the sexes, right? And I think David is saying it so perfectly right here. David's World 1898 says it's materialistic. There is no real love anymore, no emotion or spiritual connection, just all about what can one gain and take. 
And then there was a period of time where the big thing was to be a savage, right? Be a savage and don't have any feelings and be ready to jump ship at the first sign of trouble. And when it comes to social media, everything is instant gratification and it makes us feel like we can find another better option at the swipe of a picture when it's just not true, right? So why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because I'm describing a shift in mindset because that's what's happened with hip hop. Hip hop used to go from voicing our concerns and our frustrations with our situation and voicing our concerns and frustrations with how we're being treated. It went from that and it shifted the conversation. It shifted the action to go to, I'm frustrated with women. I'm frustrated at men and I'm taking it out on the opposite sex. This is all they're good for. So this is what I'm going to use them for. And it's really dehumanized ourselves. We've dehumanized ourselves to one another. We've reduced ourselves to one another. Pillow Jones says, that's why I can appreciate Tyrese going on IG live and crying while sharing his genuine feelings. Time out for being so quote unquote tough and hard. Real men have feelings as well. I agree. And unfortunately, the music is promoting this false sense of what's the word? I don't want to say stoicism, but it's promoting this false sense of strength where we think that strength is never showing weakness or vulnerability when really strength is the ability to overcome despite the weakness, despite the vulnerability. But all of this to say, right? All of this to say that I am extremely disappointed in the direction that hip hop has taken. Like David said, everything is materialistic and everyone has been reduced to a taker's position. Nobody wants to give anymore because it's made uncool. It's been made uncool to give. I don't want to go too heavy in that direction because this is not, it's not just a mindset conversation. We have to go into the direction of how is this mindset affecting people? On the women's side, I am really fearful for the young girls who are out there today because like I said, all you see when you look at female rap is twerking, whose pum pum is the wettest, whose bongos clap the loudest. Y'all check my humor. Whose bongos clap the loudest, who is twerking, who has the nicest body, who's showing the most skin, who is willing to be the nastiest and freakiest out loud. And there's no conservative conservatism. There's no conservation. Um, hopefully I'm saying that word properly. I feel like I, I jumbled that very badly, but mod- modesty, that's the better word. There's no modesty, right? And we're very much, we're very much worried about a man's money and we're actually in competition with other women, despite women saying that they don't want to be seen as only sexual objects, you know, or they don't only want to, we don't only want to be objectified and reduced to sexual objects, but we've somehow embraced sexual liberation and have embraced ourselves as sexual beings, but it's not liberation. It's classlessness. It's a lot of classless things going on, right? And on the side of the men, y'all just have no value for life. You don't value like, (sighs) it's very frustrating. So that's the mindset, right? And what it's, what this is promoting on the women's side, right? Wrap this up with feminism. It's single motherhood making it cool to be a baby mama, making it cool to claim that you don't need a man and that you can raise your kids on your own. 
when you look at statistics i'm not going to bring up any but y'all just take my word for it go look it up for yourself but also hear what i'm saying when i tell you i've seen the statistics on the success rate of a child who comes from a single parent household and unfortunately in the black community most of those single parent households are headed by women because the fathers are absent why are the fathers absent i point back to the music the music makes it uncool to love a woman there's no loyalty towards the woman in a man's life but there's all the loyalty to the friends the homies you know and there's the degeneracy being promoted and that degeneracy is sleeping around with multiple women fathering children in multiple households leaving behind a string of broken households and a pattern a generational curse of single parent households statistically it's a child is more likely to be more successful when they have two parents in the house versus one parent never mind if the parents are co-parenting you know but the men are there's no loyalty to women it's all to the homies and they're worried about ops they're worried about getting money to look cool to pull women to treat women like trash to impress their homeboys yeah that's what i see when i look at the music and then when i look at how it's caused everybody to act and for me i would call myself a hopeless romantic at heart it for a long time i've been feeling like man am i gonna find anybody that's on the same wave as me because i don't identify with the female rappers i'm not talking about my poom poom every chance i get you know I'm not attracted to the aesthetic of the type of man that I'm supposed to want as a black woman. We're told that we're animals, essentially, and we're told that we're ghetto and we're baby mamas and our men are nothing and our men are absent because our men would rather run the streets, do illegal things, drugs, robbing, killing, and then they get caught up and they get arrested, thrown into prison kids grow up without fathers without male masculine influence and the cycle continues because those babies grow up never knowing what it was like to have a two-parent household so if you become a baby mama if you have kids early if you don't have the father in your child's life it's normal because that's what our black community is seeing all the time right very sad so now found finally we're getting into well, how is hip hop a pipeline to prison? There were a few videos that I found on TikTok that I want to share with y'all. And it's basically, I haven't watched all of them, like all the way through, but I want to start with this one. It's with Ice Cube. And I think that's Bill Maher. And basically, I want to explore a little bit about this conspiracy that hip hop is a pipeline to prison and that there was somehow a deal struck between the prison system and the music industry to feed the prison pipeline. So I was on Google and I typed in, do music label owners have hands in the prison industry? And the first thing that popped up was hiphopforchange.org. Jailhouse Rock, The Facts About Hip Hop and Prison for Profit. This article was published February 9th, 2021. And it reads, it's not that bad of a, it's not that bad of a read. It's not that long. It reads, right now, three companies, Warner Records, Universal Music Group, and Sony Music Group control around 90% of the depiction of hip hop. At the same time, two companies, Core Civic, formerly CCA, Corrections Corporation of America, and Geo Group own almost all the private prison beds in the USA. What connects these two industries together? Vanguard and BlackRock, 
which are the largest shareholders in both media and prisons. Last year, Corrections Corporation of America, the CCA, the biggest name in the private prison industry, contacted, when they say last year, that would be 2020. Yeah, because this article was written in 2021. So in 2020, the CCA, the biggest name in the private prison industry, contacted 48 states offering to buy their prisons. One stipulation of eligibility for the deal was particularly bizarre. An assurance by the agency partner that the agency has sufficient inmate population to maintain a minimum 90% occupancy rate over the term of the contract. What kind of legitimate and ethical measures could possibly be taken to ensure the maintenance of a 90% prison occupancy rate? Two months later, an anonymous email was sent out to various members of the music and publishing industries, giving an account of a meeting where it was determined that hip hop music would be manipulated to drive up privatized prison profits. Its author, despite claiming to be a former industry insider, did not provide the names of anyone involved in the plot, nor did he or she specify by which company he or she, him or herself, was employed. As such, the letter was largely regarded as a fraud for lack of facts. Okay? This is from hiphopforchange.org. So, did a little more searching on Google and found a few TikTok videos. This first one I want to play for you is Ice Cube speaking with Bill Maher. Let's listen and uh, discuss what we heard. Who benefits and profits off our bickering and our division? Take rap music. Let's take it. Same people who own the labels own the prisons. So, So literally the same people? Literally the same people who own the labels on private prisons, private prisons. So, you know, it it seems really kind of suspicious, if you want to say that word, that, you know, the records that come out are really geared to push people towards that prison industry. But they didn't make you write those lyrics. It's not about making, it's not about making somebody write the lyrics. It's about um, being there as guardrails. So that last part is what sticks out to me about that particular clip. Bill Maher says to Ice Cube, but nobody tells you what to write. So... People are going to write about what they are experiencing, what's going on around them and what's happening to themselves and what's happening to the people around them. If black people have been put in a state of, what's the word I'm looking for? We've been put in a state of, I don't want to use the word inferiority, but that's the only word that's coming to mind. We've been put into a state of inferiority and a state of survival and placed in conditions that are not conducive to our success, conditions that directly work against our success, right? So of course, as an artist, the music a lot of times is a therapy and it's reflecting what we're going through, what our friends and family are going through, what our environment is going through what our community is going through. So we we are writing the songs, right? That's just a way for people to get it out. That's the therapy. The point that Ice Cube is making is it doesn't matter what you write. It matters about the guardrails. Who is the guardrail? What is the guardrail? It's the music industry. It's the labels. Anybody can write anything, but what are the labels pushing? What is the machine standing behind? And why is so much of one aspect of life for black people, why is so much of one aspect, the negative aspect of our community? Why is that what's pushed so heavily? 
when we know that black people are not a monolith, we don't all come from the same background. We don't all come from the same socioeconomic background. We come in different shapes, sizes, classes, all of that, right? So how can you deduce black people to ghetto, ratchet, criminal, baby mamas, you know? It's what gets the most play and it's what the labels choose to give light to, what they choose to give the most attention to, what they choose to push the most. David's World 1898 says constant PTSD and war zone. Leave it up to the media. You would think that black communities in America were third world countries. The way that they have those commercials playing with the little the foreign kids, it's either somewhere in Africa or in some South American country. And it's the kids with the flies all over them and the, the sleep in their eyes. And they walking on mudded grounds. The homes have no floors. And for just 62 cents a day, you can make a difference in a child's life. You would think that black Americans are living in third world conditions by the way that the media portrays us and by what the imagery that the labels in the media push of black people. Well, let me get into this next one. This one was posted by Dom underscore Da Bomb. Dom Da Bomb, a.k.a. Bomb Marley. Remember, you signed an agreement. He then closed the door behind him. The men rushed us to our car and actually waited until we drove off the property. Damn. So, so uh, this meeting, bro. Now, that's a lot for a meeting right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and this person later on, he said, you know, this person actually ended up leaving the music industry after this happened. Well, a, a few years after this, he ended up leaving the music industry. Okay. And um, he'd say he just like, you know, over the years, he just he just felt guilty because he said as he sat back and he watched these plans come into play, come to a reality. Over two decades. He sat back and was like, wow, they really pulled it off. Yeah. They really pulled this off. He was like, they were told not to sign any more political rappers, any any more rappers that had messes in their no music. No positivity. It was all to be gangster rap music that they promoted and, and, and put out. Hmm. I don't know if y'all watched my hot take. Matter of fact, let me see exactly what that hot take was called. What did I call it? Labels don't want rappers anymore, and it's the label's fault. And in the beginning of that video, I played y'all this. What's going on, man? How you doing? How you doing, man? So, I have two yeah. artists for you today. Um, artist number one, really great kid, right. just graduated college. He makes really okay. positive music, great vibes, all okay, that. Okay, I like that. And um, he always has a message okay. in his songs, always has a message. All right, yeah. Okay, that's what we're looking and for. And artist number two... Um, he just he actually just got out of jail not too long ago. All He's right. going through some really rough stuff. All he raps about is like drugs and, and murder and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, we like want that. him. And we want him. You Oh you said you said artist number one? Oh no, no, oh, we want artist number, number two. two. Okay, you talk yep. That's exactly what we're talking about. For. Drugs and, and murder. Yep, he's like perfect. That. Oh, okay. He's perfect. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's yep. exactly what we're looking yep. for. Oh, oh. Isn't that crazy? Oh, oh that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. So, this alleged letter, right? Allegedly, there was a letter that was going around, or what was it? The uh, CCA, what does that stand for again? Corrections Corporation of America. They're now known as Core Civic. One of the... Uh, they own almost all the private prison beds in the USA. <laughs> Apparently, Core Civic, along with Geo Group, who own almost all the private prison beds in the USA, sent out letters to 48 states offering to buy their prisons under the stipulation that they maintain 90%, minimum 90% occupancy rate over the term of the contract. I don't know how long the contract is. What happens when I click on this? 
over the term of, ooh, I might, a minimum rated occupancy of 1,000 beds, a structure age of no more than 25 years, a designation that the structure is suitable for immediate occupation or is already occupied by an inmate population, and an assurance by the agency partner that the agency has sufficient inmate population to maintain a minimum 90% occupancy rate over the term of the contract. What is this? Where did they find this? Wow. This is the letter apparently. Oh my gosh. Okay. I might put that in there for y'all. So maintain 90% occupancy. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds miserable. But if y'all have heard me talk about this or you've gotten me in a heated conversation about a topic like this, prison is legalized slavery. Okay. Prison is legalized slavery and it's a more sophisticated way to wrap slavery up and present it to the public. They are convincing the public that the worst of the worst individuals are in prison for some crime that they called illegal, some crime that they deemed to be unacceptable, right? Some action that they deemed to be unacceptable and they wrote it into law as illegal and they filled the prison with people who supposedly committed these same types of crimes. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I'm working for a podcast called in and out podcast. And in this podcast, we talk to individuals who were in prison and they got out. And I would say 70 to 80% of the guests were involved in prison or locked up behind bars because of some form of drug charge whether it was dry conspiracy or they themselves were distributing, selling, or they were addicted to the drugs and maybe were caught with that or had a high amount. And so they were caught up for distribution or trafficking. 70 to 80% of the guests went to prison behind drugs. What about the conspiracy that the government dropped off drugs in the hood? You know, the whole war on drugs, the crack epidemic that happened. And so then there's a bunch of legislation that is geared towards criminalizing people who are involved in drugs, the sale, the distribution, the usage of it. And you criminalize those things and then you attach sentences to it, hefty sentences, right? And then you create things like a three strike rule, three strike uh, prison rule. Let me look this up really quick. The three strikes law significantly increases the prison sentences of persons convicted of felonies who have been previously convicted of a violent or serious felony and limits the ability of these offenders to receive a punishment other than a prison sentence three strikes and you're out law. So I don't, I don't think I'll get into that, but basically if you get caught up three times, they can put you away for a long time and it doesn't matter what that third crime was. If they were all felonies, drug charges are felonies. If I'm not mistaken, unless you're caught with like a small amount. So what am I getting at when I say this? Most of our, most of the people we talk to on that podcast affected by drugs in some way. Why is it that hip hop glamorizes drug use and violence? Why is that? Prison sentence for drugs. Unlawful possession of schedule three, four, or five controlled substance is a felony and punishable by one to five year term of incarceration, unlawful sale or distribution of any schedule one or two controlled substance is a felony punishable by a term of incarceration of one to 30 years in prison. 
what is what is schedule one two three four and five drugs what does that mean schedule one heroin lsd marijuana ecstasy peyote schedule two drugs and i'm trying to skim over this products with less than 15 milligrams of hydrocodone per dosage that's vicodin that's cocaine that's methamphetamine methadone hydromorphone oxycodone fentanyl adderall and ritalin what adderall adderall is a schedule two Adderall is Schedule 2. Unlawful sale or distribution of a Schedule 1 or 2 controlled substance is a felony. I know a lot of dudes who do Adderall. I know a lot of people who do Adderall. And I know people who got access to cocaine. That Adderall is crazy. Anyway, Schedule 3 drugs, right? A lot of rap songs glorify Adderall. That's why I'm pointing it out. Schedule three products containing less than 90 milligrams of codeine per dosage unit, Tylenol with codeine, ketamine, anabolic steroids, testosterone, ketamine. What's in lean? Oh, it's a certain God. What is that stuff called? I forget. But anyway. So that was schedule three, schedule four, schedule four drugs are Xanax, Valium, Ambien, schedule five. I know a lot of people with Xannies. What is that? That's a schedule four. And this says here, schedule three, four or five unlawful possession of schedule three, four or five is a felony punishable by one to five years term of incarceration and lastly god what is a term five this is kind of making me emotional this is a term uh, schedule five excuse me schedule five drugs are generally used for anti-diarrheal anti-tusive and analgesic I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry. But schedule five drugs are cough preparations with less than 200 milligrams of codeine or per 100 milliliters like Robitussin, Lyrica. But schedule five, unlawful possession of schedule three, four, five controlled substance. If you got too much prescription drugs, you're going to jail for one to five years. (sighs) So what kind of drugs are glorified within rap music? The reason why I'm getting like kind of emotional is because I personally know a lot of people and I'm not going to incriminate myself either, but I personally know and have experience with people who have Adderall on deck. They have Xanax on deck. They have ecstasy on deck they have acid on deck they have marijuana on deck marijuana is a schedule one drug unlawful sale or distribution of any schedule one controlled substance is a felony punishable by a term of incarceration of one to 30 years so then in the music you have this imagery Men and women smoking. We just became legal, y'all. It, it's not even, it's barely been five years that the idea of recreational weed has become acceptable. And you're just given a fine if you're carrying around a certain amount. But why is it that the imagery in these hip hop music videos? somebody like future right i don't listen to his music because i just don't resonate with it i don't connect with that at all he's talked about codeine and where does codeine fall 
in these schedules of drugs. Codeine is a schedule three drug. 90 milligrams of codeine per dosage unit. That's a schedule three drug. You are getting one to five years for unlawful possession of codeine. So rappers are glamorizing doing drugs like codeine. Smoking is glamorized. Ecstasy and Molly is glamorized. Which one? What is what is the scientific name for Molly? Scientific name for Molly. It's like MT, MD, MDMA. Oh, God. Methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Ecstasy. Okay, so that falls under Schedule 1. And what do we say? Schedule 1 is 1 to 30 years? Y'all, the evidence is right there. (laughs) Call this conspiracy if you want. But I believe this theory. I believe this theory. But I know so many people who got Adderalls on deck. They got weed on deck. They got codeine if you want it. They got Molly if you want it on deck. And this is a minimum one to five, one to 30 years, depending on which scheduled drug you are caught with. And then in the case of some of the guests on the podcast that I told you about, in and out podcast. A lot of these people were caught up on dry conspiracies and a dry conspiracy is when they don't even catch you with the physical product. They just have a suspicion that you are dealing or maybe somebody told them that you have whatever substance. And all they need is that testimony to put you away. They don't even need the physical product. And this is what's put in the music videos. I see that um, DJ65789, do you consider alcohol a drug? I, I would not consider, I would not consider alcohol a drug. Let's ask Google, is alcohol a drug? Is alcohol a drug? Alcohol is amongst the most used drugs. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the National Institute on Drug Abuse. NIDA.NIH.gov. What do they say? Alcohol is amongst the most used drugs, plays a large role in many societies and cultures around the world, and greatly impacts public health. More people over age 12 in the United States have used alcohol in the past year than any other drug or tobacco product. An alcohol use disorder is the most common type of substance use disorder in the United States. I stand corrected. Alcohol is considered a drug. It is amongst the most used drugs. Whoo, child. What's glorified in our music? Partying, drinking, you know, I should have said alcohol is a drug because I consider sex to be a drug too. Anything that gives you like an unnatural stimulant or depressant type of feel, like it was not naturally produced by your body. It's a foreign thing that you have to put in your body to get certain effects. Yeah, that should be a drug, right? I feel like this is a deep, this is a deep episode today. And I BS'd on getting an episode done because I let work get in the way. But let me finish, let me try to finish this thought, right? Although I think y'all know where I'm going. What's glorified in hip hop music videos the most? And in these music videos that, that the female artists like, so the male rappers, they talk about drugs, killing, codeine, Molly's Xanax what were the pills taken by a juice world what did he take 
codeine and oxycodone. Codeine and oxycodone, schedule two, codone, codone, codone. Codeine and oxycodone. That's a schedule two drug. Schedule two gets you one to 30 years in prison. Maurice Beats asks, who is the first person to put guns and drugs in a rap video? Let's ask Google. When did rappers start rapping about drugs? In the 80s, of course. Who was the first person? Let me see. Guns and drugs, some rappers inflate hustler image. Rooters.com. Mm, I don't know. I would have to do more research on that. I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time. But y'all, it's a trap. It's a trap. And I don't mind, right? There is a time and a place for every kind of music. And I've definitely like people will say, well, back in the day they had crazy music. Yes, but we also had more balance and the crazy music wasn't the only music that was pushed in our faces. It wasn't the only options that we had. I I legitimately, I couldn't decide if I wanted to say legitimately or literally. And that's where the little came in. I legitimately feel like music has been ass the past five to 10 years, hip hop especially. And people think I'm crazy for not wanting to take that content into my body, into my mind. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to be corrupted. I think there is an agenda and I believe this conspiracy that music labels and the prisons companies are in bed together. And then you add on top of that another conspiracy, right? That we kind of just found out in the past five years that labels are probably up to. Prison and, and music industry in bed together to push the narrative that drugs and liquor and killing is cool, right? And then you add on to that the conspiracy that record labels actually take out life insurance policies on these young rappers who come from the streets. So they're plucking these people from the streets who probably are not used to having anything and they're used to living a certain grimy lifestyle and they flash a few dollars in their face to get them up out of the streets. But they know that they're encouraging them to stay talking about the same things that they're trying to escape. Exploitation, black exploitation. They still have them rap about the stuff that they're trying to escape. And they take out life insurance policies on these artists. So just in case either they end up in jail and they're probably lining their pockets because the same people that own the prisons own the labels. They're lining their pockets that way or they're cashing out on those insurance policies if something bad happens to that artist. They get shot, they get killed. That way their investment is protected and they get a payout and they benefit from the violence and the death. And the cycle continues like, I don't know why black people are targeted. I really wanna know, why are we targeted? Like we're just seen as the bottom and, and my people, we keep falling into the trap and I see it every day on social media where someone will say, oh, you just being a hater. Nobody cares what you think because they getting money and you broke. As long as they're not hurting anybody, why do you care? Why are you judging? And I'm like, me and these black people cannot be the same. We, there's no way. 
Why do I think differently from these people? Maybe I take stuff too serious. I don't think I take things too serious. I think I'm very cautious. I think that I want a certain life for myself and I understand that I cannot actively be taking in degenerate thoughts and expecting my life to improve. And I want better for black people. I want everybody to see that, but it's social media will have you believe in that black people are just dumb and we accept whatever imagery is put in front of us. So I'm happy. I'm happy that the public is finally starting to give some pushback on some of the imagery that we've been seeing in the media and some of the imagery that we've been getting from these artists, male and female artists. And this was, like I said, kind of sparked by the YouTuber Queen Chama. Um, I recently did a review of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's song Bongo. I haven't listened to Sexy Red and Lotto. I'm not a fan of Sexy Red. I, I just don't get it, you know? But when I look at the imagery that they have signed on to portray, I'm not happy and I want no parts of it because I know where it leads and it's the path of destruction. Y'all let me know if I'm crazy or if you're crazy with me and if you're thinking the same way I'm thinking. But um, I think, I think we should definitely keep this in mind and we should try to do a better job of protecting our energy. So many people want to say, you know, protect your energy, but then they go and they listen to a sexy red or they listen to WAP. Like I said, those, those songs, they have their time and their place and there's nothing wrong with having fun within moderation. I just think that that imagery is overly promoted towards black people. And we've become the fun culture. We've become the degenerate culture, the ghetto culture, the fatherless behavior culture. You know, I want better for us. And um, I hope that this conversation has helped you to at least be... I hope this has at least exposed you to the possibility of hip hop contributing to the prison pipeline. And I hope that I've drawn enough parallels and enough connections for you to see what I'm talking about, why it's so important for you to protect your energy and why we should care what these artists are saying on top of this production. It's more than just having a nice beat. A lot of these people should not be having careers. The beat is saving you, but you have nothing to say and you have nothing to show. And as a real artist, it pisses me off that this is the imagery that gets attention. But somebody with a genuinely positive message, a message about love, a message about forgiveness, a message about being vulnerable with one another. Artists like me don't get the attention because the focus has been shifted from talent and it's been shifted from truly being the voice of the community and caring about what happens to one another. It's been shifted from that to follow trends, to chase quick money. And it pisses me off. So I'm going to end it right there. Let me know what y'all think. If you're listening to this, whether on YouTube or on a podcast streaming platform, tell me in the comments or in the reviews, do you feel like hip hop is a pipeline to prison? Do you agree with what I've been saying? Do you disagree? Am I thinking too deep or am I on the right track? Let me know in the comments section. You can catch these chats live on 
Instagram at LexiATL. That's at L-E-X-C-A-T-L to be part of the conversations. Or you can catch the replays on YouTube or other podcasting platforms. Leave comments and reviews. If you'd like to become a sponsor or a supporter of Lex Chat, there are two ways to do it. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash LexiATL. Or you can buy advertising spots during my podcast for your business or your services. Details on how to do that are in the description, or you can go back to the beginning of this episode. Before we go, I want to give another shout out to my patrons, Mr. Flat Shoals and Eldon Cleary. I want to give y'all a reminder to buy Love Reset. You can find physical copies. You can buy physical copies by going to my website, LexiATL.com. Get it personalized. You can get just a CD. You can get a signed copy or signed with a personalized message. And uh, you can also find other merchandise at LexiATL.com. I want to remind you of the coffee date, which is going to be the first Sunday of the month. The next coffee date is going to be October 1st. And the We Outside workout, which is the last Sunday of the month, which will be September 24th. But you got to be in Atlanta for that. Okay. But thank you so much for tuning in to Lex Chat. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed the deep dive on this particular episode. Thank y'all so much for joining me. My name is Lexi. Until next time, peace. If I'm ever to be strong enough against a man, that request to get the pants needs rebuttal with demand. And I break myself every time I see it. Hurt so good, I tell myself until I do believe it. I take up so much pain, I think I'm really glutton. And to make it worse, I tell him I love to be punished. And then love becomes a thing that I don't recognize. So we.